0: We're coming to you today from the Colorado Springs Marriott, where for the very first time we are recording Equipping You podcast with a live audience. Usually we have a dead audience, but today we're making an exception, and we're going to have a live uh, audience. <laughs> here they are. There they are. 160 new workers uh, in the Alliance are here this week for Resonate, our new workers orientation. We're having a great week and uh, decided to record a podcast while we're here. In fact, uh, Equipping You podcast has now been named the official podcast of Resonate. Wow. I just named it that. That's amazing. So I'm Terry, church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm AJ. I'm the director for digital media at the national office. And AJ is our guest co-host today. AJ the Hatman Gutierrez is usually uh, our producer and he's that today too but he's yep. playing a dual role so uh, our, regular, co- our regular co-host Alan is laying on the beach in North Carolina but AJ and I are what still here yep still faithful. working still yep. faithful yep. dedicated and uh, so um You know, we'll see how you do today, uh, A.J., (laughs) and uh, what it'll take for uh, Alan to regain his place in the starting lineup again when we resume this. So, special edition today, kind of like breaking news, you know, when they break in and uh, say special word from our (laughs) president. And in fact, our president is here uh, today, John Stumbo. And uh, Vice President for Development, Tim Myers. These are our bosses, AJ. Yep. And uh, so um, how we do today a, you know, may make a difference in whether we're able to do this gig ever again. Yep. So, uh, <laughs>
1: High risk situation.
0: It is. It is. Makes me a little nervous, I must admit. So uh, we're going to have a conversation today about our denomination, the Alliance. How long have you been part of the uh, the Alliance, uh, AJ?
1: Um, do negative years count? Because my parents were in the Alliance before I was born, so my whole life, I guess. You're a
0: lifer, <laughs> you're a lifer, and I was grafted in at age 14, and yes. so been in the Alliance a long time. We both love this uh, movement, absolutely. and we're going to talk today kind of a, about what distinguishes the Alliance from being just a generic uh, evangelical movement. What makes the Alliance the Alliance?
1: Right, because Resonate is a new workers event. And so for people that are new to the Alliance, we want to give some kind of context of what this is. And so we brought in who we thought are the experts in that, which is President Stumbo and Vice President Meyer. So.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So grab a glass of water if you're here in the room. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Equipping You podcast. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You podcast John Stumbo, our president, and uh, Tim Meyer, our vice president for development. Thanks, gentlemen, for being with us today. Thanks for the opportunity. So, uh, John, the Alliance is a member denomination of the National Association of Evangelicals. You meet with those folks uh, at least annually. So tell us, uh, as we think about this term evangelical today and and begin to unpack that, uh, what are some of the criteria for um, being a part of the National Association of Evangelicals?
2: I do have that privilege of getting to connect at least a couple times a year with uh, national leaders of uh, the NAE, other denominational presidents and other uh, leaders that would be connected to that movement. Uh, historically the whole concept of evangelicalism in the United States was tied to four principles. Basically the Bible is the highest authority uh, under which we operate. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of sin. Only those who trust in Jesus alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of salvation and it's essential for us to personally share that message with those who do not yet know him. So that Jesus is the core, Bible is our authority, we're evangelistic in nature, you know, the whole uh, word, evangelical comes from word, euangelion, good news. And so we're people who center around the good news. So to be part of the NAE is a commitment to continue to uphold those basic Christian standards of faith and to be in partnership with like-minded people that really broadens my network of relationships. So I now have friends uh, that are leading denominations that you've heard of very often and other denominations that uh, you haven't, but it's been a rich relationship.
1: So part of the term evangelical um, has some negative connotations, some political connotations. It's in fallen
2: upon hard times.
1: Yes. and so. Um, it's been associated with a certain voting block at times even so so how have we sought to deal with that dynamic as a denomination as a movement
2: I would say that not only are we dealing with it, but all of Christianity is, because there's some who've just said, well, because of the current trends, I don't want that label associated with me anymore. But my, my personal view is the word uh, was a rich word long before current political winds began to blow, and that if we just stay faithful to our calling, we can outlast the current trends. And so I don't want to give up. Every time culture, like, tries to steal a word from us, if we forfeit it, we're Gonna lose our whole language eventually. So, since it comes from the, the, the Greek for good news, that's who I want to be—a good news teller. And so, I'm hanging on. I don't advertise it. I don't, you know, uh, fly, fly an evangelical flag. I don't even fly a Christian flag. I don't <laughs> like flags. Anyway, <laughs> side point. But the real point is, uh, we, as the Christmas Alliance, have tried to stay really grounded upon our core message of Christ, Christ in you the hope of glory and his mission to the world. And there's others that can fight some of the political wranglings. We have a hard decision in our office when to arise and speak to a current cultural trend or latest headline and when not to. There are certain among us in our churches, all the Resonate folks know here that there, and all the listeners on podcasts know that there's some people in your church who would love for you to respond every time the headline takes another shift. And if we do that, we'll just sound like Fox News or the latest political candidates. And we, we've got to somehow rise above that and keep grounding ourselves in that which is eternal lasting and actually shapes us more deeply in, in the fundamental places where the issue of the day doesn't really uh, shape us. We just sound like social media blather after a while if we're not careful. So so it's not that we ignore society. It's not that we never speak into things, but we're very selective of when to use our voice on social trends, largely because I do not want the non-Christian United States of America to associate the church with a political party. I don't want them to associate the gospel with a political party. Jesus didn't associate it in that kind of way, and so I'm pretty adamant that that we stay true to uh, the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of discipleship. That well, then obviously shapes people's votes and views. Secondarily, but that's not the starting point of the conversation.
0: Yeah, good word, John. So um, we have great respect for our fellow evangelical denominations, we don't see ourselves as being better than them. Uh, However, uh, we have some denominational distinctives that make the alliance the alliance. So uh, Tim and John, what are some of those things that set us apart and make us different? Well, some broad categories, that I'm sure
2: you'll have us unpack
0: before this half hour is
2: over, but some broad categories, we've got some uniquenesses of our polity, just how we're structured, our theology, you know, some of the core beliefs that we would nuance, uh, our missional efforts uh, have some distinctives and uniquenesses to them. And I would argue that there's a cultural distinction of the alliance, being one of the most diverse denominations of of all of American Christianity with upwards of 45% of our membership uh, not having uh, English or white skin as their background which I delight in, I love the complexity in the 37 languages in worship on any given Sunday in the US, in the US Christian Missionary Alliance. And so, so the, the distinctive of the ethnic mix that that brings and who we're becoming as a result. So I would say polity, theology, um, community, missional efforts would be some of the categories.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think those are the right places to start. If I unpacked polity a little bit more, we recently had a conversation uh, with President's Cabinet about where our roots are really located. Uh, Are we more holiness? Are we more Presbyterian? Are we more what are we? And part of what we talked about was that... Part of our roots that makes us distinct is that we were a non-denominational denomination in some ways. We were a, a, a group of people unified around central mission and for mission purposes. We were unified around... Uh, celebrating Jesus. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, that (laughs) that theology in a a little bit. But it is one of the things that makes us unique in that we are kind of nimble and diverse, uh, unlike some other uh, evangelical denominations um, that, yeah, we don't think we're better than, but there is some difference there. Um, I would also say... um, we're gonna, you know, in in the alliance, we talk about mission all the time, and part of what ma- makes us unique is not just a missional emphasis, but even our missiology, and how we raise up local pastors and local national churches to be self-sustaining and self-reproducing and self-propagating in those kind of things. And we don't look to run the whole world from the U.S. And so, um, as and that flows into a lot of different strategy, but that is a, a piece of what makes us distinct.
0: Yeah. Interesting to uh, add to that a little bit, John, uh, with uh, how we operate with the Alliance World Fellowship and uh, how that distinguishes us from the way some other denominations run their well I think industries. I offended a,
2: a vendor at council we had a guy come up to me after council and said you know I'm kind of disappointed you have so few internationalists on your board and leadership team and I said actually we don't have any internationals on our board and leadership team because we're not trying to run the United we're not trying to run the world for the United States this isn't colonialism and this is and I was maybe a little post-council you know <laughs> rash but <laughs> but I just went right to the point no 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 uh, we have peer around the world who are presidents of our, our churches and I'm not over them, I'm here with them and so through the Alliance World Fellowship 60 uh, sister uh, churches worldwide that are part of this Alliance family, all of them finding their roots in Alliance missions ultimately, we could have done what some denominations do and keep having it be a, a global kind of thing that's all headquartered out of one location but we've chosen in, this, in the sense of decentralizing and allowing true autonomy and control and strength in, in these local settings and it is beautiful now to see these expressions of the national church arise to become mission-sending churches. And so the next the 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 Great Commission, as Tim would crouch would tell us, the Great Commission is not going to be fulfilled through one national church's sending, but through multinational church sending of peoples to the world. So when our Filipino Christian Missionary Alliance uh, sends out their dozens of missionaries, they have passports that can get them in the countries that American passport doesn't necessarily get us into and so I just love that aspect some of you had heard me tell the story of being in uh, Dominican Republic and, and uh, having lunch with this uh, head of air traffic control that goes to one of our uh, church plants in Dominican and he's got a Catholic background and he asked me if I was in charge of the whole world and, and I said no you know we, we, you're, you're president Enrique is my peer I'm not hefe over Enrique we're, we're peers and he leaned back in his chair and said oh I was wrong I told all my buddies that the Pope was coming well, i really <laughs> Glad that
0: that's not how we've been set up. <laughs> oh my, that might have some implications on the transportation we would provide for you, a uh, popemobile. But nonetheless, well, in um, in non-essential areas, let me let me start with saying in, in in essential areas, obviously we're straight down the line, biblical, and looking for agreement on things like the. Uh, uh, inerrancy of Scripture and, and and virgin birth of Jesus Christ and resurrection of Christ, atoning work of Jesus Christ, uh, we're in full agreement on those as an alliance. However, in the non-essential areas, we tend to be uh, big tent denomination would be one way to express it. So we were founded by a Presbyterian, but always uh, often get categorized with the Holiness movement, rightly or wrongly. Uh, We have Calvinists and Arminians in the alliance, and also uh, many who claim to be neither. We have our pre-tribbers, post-tribbers, mid-tribbers, pan-tribbers. Believe it will all pan out in the end. (laughs) Some lean in more fully to uh, Pentecostal charismatic manifestations than others while not embracing the evidence doctrine. So with all of these differences, what would you say is the glue that holds this alliance together?
3: Isn't the right answer always Jesus? So, it is,
0: a good Sunday school <laughs> answer. It's a
3: good Sunday school answer. You know, I don't want to be overly simplistic, but actually from our uh, founding, uh, A.B. Simpson and others uh, talked about the centrality and the supremacy of Christ. Jesus is our Savior, sanctifier, healer, coming King. Uh, he wrote songs and books and other things like Jesus only. And, uh, and so really, our focus on the sufficiency of Christ in his death and resurrection, the sufficiency that we have through his spirit uh, who lives within us. And our focus on completing his great commission unifies us in spite of some of the tangential things that we might disagree with. Uh, And I think there's a lot of beauty in that, actually. I mean, when you travel around the Alliance, there are people who are pretty convinced about certain things, uh, and yet we have a lot of grace and space for one another if we can remain focused on Jesus. I was just at a church last weekend or two weekends ago, and uh, the pastor, Brian McMillan at Centerpoint Church, one of our affiliated churches, said a great line He said, you know, in this church, uh, we are all about radical grace. This is about crazy grace that blows our minds. We don't care what your background is. We don't care what you've done. Uh, Jesus' grace is sufficient for you. And so maybe you would think of us as liberal in that way. And he said, actually, you'd be right. We are relationally liberal, but we're theologically conservative. And I thought that's a great way to describe uh, the alliance's posture, that we are pretty relationally liberal. We're friends with a lot of different kind of people that might nor- not normally be friends. Yeah. And yet through uh, a, a unifying around Jesus and his sufficient work uh, and his commission you know, to complete the, what he set out to do through the church, uh, we have momentum and sustainability in spite of those things.
2: Terry, I appreciate the question of what's the glue that holds this thing together. Believe me, I ask that question sometimes as well as I'm in 37 different language groups uh, among us at some point in time. That represents hundreds of cultures because not every language is monocultural. And then you get the geographic sectors of our country that you know, uh, guns and Bibles are you know all in the same sentence in some parts of the country and other places that's like really weird you know and so so on and on it goes about our diversity is who is gathered in in our local churches and who we're called to lead, and yes Jesus must be our uh, rallying point, our unifying point, our our. Co- the cohesive reason that we stay together. But there are also some cultural nuances that kind of, as, as far as a Alliance culture that kind of knit us together as well. If if you're not a generous-spirited person, you're probably not going to like the Alliance after a while, because we either tend to disciple and raise up generous-minded people or disciple them. But, you know, we're the denomination that leads the way across the nation in missions giving, and I'm not saying that as an arrogant thing. In fact, when I got to my first NAE meeting, I was uh, complaining because we had been on this 20-year slide of uh, downward giving towards uh, international efforts to take the gospel of the least reached peoples of the world. And I was just beginning to complain to other denominational presidents, and they gave me the quickest slapdown you've ever had, and basically, shut up, stumble, you lead the way for all the rest of us, and we could do what you're doing, we'd be thrilled. And so I realized I had no compassion and empathy in the room, but it was also a reminder that we do have something very special, and, and yet... It, 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 isn't, it isn't always uh, valued, and if it's not valued, a spirit of generosity, I'm not just talking money, I'm talking a spirit of generosity that would uh, impact our giving of time, our openness to new arrivals in our community, a largeness of heart. If, if you don't have a largeness of heart, you're probably not going to like the Alliance after a while because we're going to keep calling you to the world. We're going to keep calling you to the neighbor across the street, even if that neighbor speaks a completely different language and represents a different culture. And so that's just who we're going to be as the Alliance family. So I think there's some, a glue of, of passion for the world and mm-hmm. commitment to be part of the, uh, the, the commission of Jesus and a personal involvement in that. In some ways, you might argue that uh, the Alliance would be larger if we didn't ask so much of our people. Uh, We could maybe draw larger crowds if we softened our message a bit. But not on my watch, that's not of interest to me.
1: I think um, you put that so well. I I think part of what makes the Alliance the Alliance and what that glue is, is is our heritage because everything you guys described is something that has been true of us our entire history. Over 130 years is as a movement we began with those core elements and, and by God's grace we have remained faithful to those and Good. you know as we mentioned earlier uh, my heritage I'm third generation Alliance and, and that's part of why I follow Jesus today is because of those things so um, part of our heritage as well and, and something that we still own today is that we call ourselves uh, a deeper life movement Uh, What does that mean, and why is that so important to our identity or who we are as the Alliance?
3: The deeper life uh, has been a part of our uh, teaching uh, because Simpson really uh, pushed us to say, hey, listen, there's more to life than just surviving and getting through. And actually, there's more to our faith than just believing something, and then we got a ticket to heaven, and we're good to go. Uh, That there's actually work of uh, the Holy Spirit that can be done in us to To power us up. I'm going to speak tonight in this room about the Holy Spirit. I get asked to speak about that. I think the reason I do, and and, and the reason I started um, talking about the Spirit's work and the Deeper Life work, is because I'm also Fourth Generation Alliance, and was um, exposed at an early age, but then also as an adult, to the fact uh, that Christ has more for us uh, than we know, uh, many of us, and that, and that the deeper experience with Jesus, the deeper we go, the deeper it goes, and intimacy breeds more intimacy, and that that uh, Sam Stays is one of our uh, Canadian theologians. He talks about it like a spring, that the tighter that spring gets, the more powerful it shoots out to the world, to uh, our churches, and in ourselves, that there is a, a launching of the gifts of the Spirit and the life of Jesus, and that we are not satisfied with wh- where we're currently at and that there's always more. And so that kind of passion and burden in us is linked both to to mission, but also to just a relentless pursuit of Jesus. And an expectation that the Spirit is still alive and active and gives us that, I mean, John referenced earlier that we're this, you know, kind of Holy Spirit movement open to the work of the Spirit, but without an agenda placed on him uh, that he will have to do it this way or these kind of gifts will have to show up. Uh, but to say we have an ex- expectation that he's still alive and active and healing and moving and all those kind of things. And uh, and that's part of, of why... Um, our mission efforts, I really believe, have been so strong is that we have not sought uh, to be people who just go out there and do it for God, but ask him to fill us up and power us up. And then he changes our whole priorities. He changes our, the script of our lives. And then we follow him into kind of dangerous places at times that feel kind of scary. And that's why the Alliance has been on, uh, on the edge at times, uh, because we just believe that this deeper life that Jesus uh, invites us into is sufficient for us to live.
2: Tim, I love what you just said. I'm sitting here thinking if uh, my uh, NAE peers, my National Association of Evangelical Denominational Presidents were sitting around the table right now, would they be saying, well, yeah, it's just maybe a little different nuance of language, but we all basically believe pretty much the same thing. And, and I won't try to speak for every group, but I will say that I am troubled as I read some current American Christian literature how much of it feels like try harder Christianity. Yeah. And so, Jesus gives us the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the epistles give us various directives on how to live the Christian life, and we somehow think that if we just will ourselves enough, squeeze enough holiness, determination out of our own soul, that somehow we can really do this. And for me, the you know, pinnacle point is when Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the mat, flat in my back, looking at the ceiling tiles. I am pinned at that moment. If I ever thought that I could do this kind of Christian life on my own with just a, maybe a little aid from the, the supernatural, no, no, no. It, it throws me into this place of complete dependence upon the Christ. So the deeper that I go in dependency upon the Christ for my daily decisions, daily character, daily driving on the interstate, daily marriage, daily uh, interaction with staff, the nitty-gritty everyday stuff of life, the more that that drives me to the Christ, his character really is available to be lived out through our personalities by his Holy Spirit. And I don't hear that in a lot of Christian literature today. And so I think there is not... Uh, we're the only one that's got the corner on the market of this truth. No, 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 no. But I think there, uh, Simpson helped us, and through this decades, other leaders have helped us articulate this longing for the fullness of Christ himself, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, Galatians, until Christ is formed in you, and this, this expression of Jesus in us as a, as a real thing, I do think that's a necessary and valid aspect of who the Alliance has always been and must continue to be. Our contribution to the broader evangelical
1: world in some ways. That's well said. Um, uh, this conversation has progressed in, in a very strategic flow, and we've talked about the Christ-centered uh, Acts 1-8 family. And uh, Acts 1-8 is you will receive power when, when you go to Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the, entire, the ends of the earth. And so as we progress through this, who we are as a denomination, what do we believe? Uh, We've talked about this filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, A lot of denominations do missions, but what makes the alliances ministry and missiology, you you talked about uh, not colonialism, not different things like that earlier, what makes what we do in missions different and what sets us apart from other denominations?
2: Again, this isn't a claim of being better. I don't want this uh, alliance uh, superiority snobbery kind of thing to slip in, because there are some things that other organizations do that uh, we just don't have the capacity to do or the interest in, of doing, and so we're, we're not necessarily better. It's not about comparison. But again, distinctives, uniquenesses. Let me just tell you one story. I was uh, with a North African leader. He had been born into Islam, uh, was dedicated to Islam when he was given a Bible and read it with a hungry heart and gave his heart to Jesus Christ and became a founder of a movement of people in his country that were coming out of Islamic background to form a church and follow the Christ. All that happened before our team arrived to this very difficult to get into country. Well, we launched a team there and seven or eight years later, this doctor of philosophy and founding pastor of this church looks me in the eye and says, John, um, we've had lots of groups come through my country sending missionaries from the West, mainly America, and they all have an agenda. They have an American style of doing things. And, and when it doesn't work, when their agenda doesn't work in our context and our culture, you know what you Americans do? You try harder. You just push the same agenda all the harder because you've got to report back to your home office. You've got to report back to your donors. And so you've got to make this plan work. And then after it all falls apart and they go back home, I have to pick up the pieces and, and figure out what to do now. But you've sent us somebody different. You've sent us people who come here and actually learn our language, learn our culture, listen to us, and and try to understand how do we best live out and propagate the gospel in this context and this culture. That's rare. Thank you for the people you're sending. Can you send us more? So, again, I don't want to have this word better than, but there is this 130-year hard-fought, hard-learned. We didn't always do it right, and we don't always do it right. But there is this 130-year history lesson that has a cumulative knowledge that has helped us as we enter into a still-to-be-reached people group to... to be culturally savvy to be uh, culturally respectful to learn to love and proclaim and reach and launch and so it's it's it is a sweet thing that i observe as we have different missional expressions around the world
3: that's well said as well mr president um you know I, i don't know how how much there is to add but i would just say as a cultural piece In the Alliance, uh, one of the distinctives that we have is when you go into an Alliance church, and it's almost always true, I'm sure in 2,000 churches there are some exceptions, but almost always missions and mission focus does not seem to be optional. If we get extra, you know, around to it, you know, we'll do it. It's a part of our DNA. It's just what we do. And so uh, when new people come to the Alliance, I'd be interested to hear uh, in this room, but when new people come to the Alliance, a lot of times they'll say to me, one of the things that I love most about this new family is their heart for people who have not heard about Jesus, both in this country but around the world, especially the people that we've never think to care about, that feel maybe like our enemies. And that's been part of our DNA, as Simpson leaves this church to reach immigrants, and then goes, hey, we gotta go to India, and China, and and, and Africa, and all these places that uh, people had not yet taken uh, the gospel message of Jesus, that's still who we are. One of my buddies who's, I won't name the denomination, but he's a pastor in another denomination, it's very similar to us, he said, uh, he was driving to a lunch with me, and, and he was at a conference, um, and the, the guy said, oh, who are you meeting with? And he goes, oh, it's this guy from the Christian Missionary Alliance. And they said, oh, what's, you know, what's unique about them? And he goes, actually, they're a lot like us. They just actually care about missions. <laughs> um, and instead of kind of giving it lip service. And I again, I think we, we err in this way, but I do think Alliance people care and respond in the way that they give. I mean, we've seen that this year and the way that people get called and go and sacrifice everything and to raise up self-propagating churches. So much more to be said about that, but that's what comes to mind. I do have this
2: angst in my spirit, though. I got to insert one more uh, point here, and that is may it never be uh, true of the Alliance and may it never be accused of me that all we care about is taking the gospel over there somewhere far away. Because if all of this passion doesn't actually fuel us for Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, we really didn't get Acts 1-8. We're really not understanding the heart of God. And so it's an and, and, and. You've heard me say before in Acts 1-8, no ors. I am grieved when there are churches that have done a an okay job of reaching their Jerusalem. They're doing a pretty good job of reaching the ends of the earth, and they've forgotten that Judea and Samaria even exist. And there's just something wrong with that. And so there's no single church here or listening to this uh, podcast that could do all four well to ha- have effective ministry in their town, in their region, the rival sports team, in their Samaria, the people who live close to them who are not like them, and have an effective missiological strategy all the way to ends of the earth. I don't care if you're a church of 40 or 4,000, that's an insurmountable job, uh, too big of a calling uh, for any one local church to carry out. But when I ask you to join together with a bigger family called the Christian Ministry Alliance, uh, that now this is actually achievable and doable, and so the church planting upswing that we're seeing, and the immigration ministry that we're experiencing in many churches that partner together, and ISI of uh, international students kind of partnership that we have, these are practical Judea Samaria kinds of uh, ministries, and so it's got to be the full orbed X one eight, not just picking and choosing which part we want to obey.
1: Uh, that's so well said, and I just want to encourage uh, those of us in the room who are new and those who are listening. Um, There's so much richness in what these guys are talking about, and so there are resources on SeamAlliance.org, videos. John does a fantastic blog uh, where he talks about missions done well, missions done poorly, and there's just so many resources that unpack these really profound ideas that they're talking about and mentioning here.
0: Yeah. Good good, uh, thought, AJ. So in the Alliance, we're beginning this two-year conversation about some potential changes. Uh, So, as we launch into that conversation, I'm wondering, uh, John and Tim, what are some things that absolutely must not change? Our commitment to the Word, our commitment to global evangelization, the advancement
2: of our mission, and our commitment to each other. If any one of those break down, we walk away from the authority of God's Word, we have failed to be the alliance. If we walk away from our missional momentum that we're currently experiencing, then I blew it as the leader. (laughs) Because there's a momentum growing for us to more church planning and more discipleship and more unreached people groups getting to hear the name of Jesus. And there is a greater sense of leaning into relationship with one another. This is a moment in American church history when we must lean into relationship with other leaders, not just from our own movement, but from beyond. Uh, I don't think there was ever a good moment to be isolated, independent pastor, church leader kind of person. I don't think that's New Testament. I don't think there was ever a good moment for it. But this unique moment of time with the cultural pressure around us is an especially good time for us to have shared wisdom, shared fellowship shared accountability for us to do the christian experience together and so we can't lose in any of those three categories biblical authority missional advance or community commitment
3: that's pretty authoritative sorry Uh, that's good the president has spoken spoken. (laughs) would you like to add anything (laughs) exactly the only thing I would say is if I was going to link those three, because those are the three, right? To link those three, I would say, you know, we are tempted in times of change, both in our country and in our denomination, to lose the plot and Excellent. and to forget what we're doing, really. And we make certain issues the issue. We make, and, you know, Tim Keller talks about how when you make uh, something even good uh, an ultimate thing, it really does become an idol. And so... We really have to remember in times of change not to make anything ultimate, except the supremacy of Christ, except our our call to love one another, <laughs> or except our call to the world. Those kind of things that John uh, just shared. So uh, may we not lose the plot even as we change, and uh, respond to a, a changing world uh, that has is pressuring us to forget what we're doing and why we're doing it. No. Yeah.
2: And Terry, uh, A.J., if I didn't believe that by entering into these conversations we'd be more fitted for a greater kingdom service in the decades to come, I wouldn't enter into it. I have no interest in creating turmoil and angst and just doing change for change's sake. But if it's a sharpening of the axe moment for this family to have some conversations about our theology and polity, then I've got to be the one to lead us into it.
0: Yeah. John and Tim, thank you. Thanks for your leadership. We appreciate uh, having you in leadership role in the Alliance. I appreciate your friendship. I knew you'd do a good job today, but you did a really good job today. <laughs> you exceeded all expectations. And so we, we appreciate it very much. Thanks for being on Equipping You Podcast. Thank you. So, AJ, AJ, what did uh, you hear today that struck you with a, a new passion for this movement we're a part of?
1: Um, You know, I don't know if I'd put it as a new passion. Um, The reality is that uh, I think it's Andy Stanley that talks about vision leaks. And uh, what I love about hearing these gifted leaders uh, that I get to work with on a daily basis is why we're here. And it's a reminder of why we chose to do this. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us could go get jobs at other organizations and get paid more money and have more fame and this and that. But the reality is, it's about Jesus. And when you hear that, and you hear why the Alliance is different, at least for me, it reaffirms something that's deep within my soul that makes me want to just continue to lean in. And so I don't know that it'd be fresh. Uh, Well, let me say this, it's not new, it is fresh though, and it's refreshing.
0: Good word. So what would Alan say now if you were here?
1: (laughs) Uh, So Alan likes this little spiel of, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, Uh, we'd love it if you supported us. So you can subscribe uh, wherever you listen to uh, iTunes, uh, sorry, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes or Google Play or or Podbean or something else. Um, And then if you could help us uh, by supporting us on social media, uh, you can follow the Alliance at facebook.com slash great commission or at CM Alliance on one of the other platforms. And uh, tell us what you think. Uh, Give us some feedback, have some conversation on on these things and, and add to the conversation. Uh, But those things really help us, and it helps other people engage in the Alliance and what we're doing.
0: Thanks, AJ. Uh, If you're a first-time listener to Equipping You podcast, just want to remind you that we have two seasons, eight episodes each, up at equippingyou.org. And uh, take a listen to those. Season three is uh, scheduled to be recorded early in November and should be out by the end of the year. At least maybe we'll do those episode to episode. We're not sure yet. We're thinking through that but uh, we appreciate you listening to equipping you podcast. Our next equipping you live, which is a video webinar uh, available to all of you will be Thursday, October 17th at noon Eastern time. And you do the math for the other time zones. It will be on preaching, uh, communicating God's word effectively. We'll have a panel of four uh, Alliance communicators uh, to share with us that day. We're looking forward to it and hope you'll join us. Meanwhile, Thanks for being a part of Equipping You podcast today. Keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.